Okay, our fourth review will focus on the Puritan colonies, Plymouth and Massachusetts Bay. The first two colonies of New England are Plymouth Colony and Massachusetts Bay Colony. Both are founded by Puritans, although there are some differences between the settlers of these two colonies. The pilgrims aboard the Mayflower are separatists. Good way to remember that is they are a little bit more radical breed of Puritan. They are seeking true true religious freedom in the New World. They were initially headed towards Jamestown, but they get blown off course. They land at Plymouth Rock in Massachusetts in 1620. The Mayflower Compact signed aboard the Mayflower guaranteed liberty to all colonists through law and order. It established a democratic government for the new colony, ensuring that each colonist had a right to participate governing their new colony. Ten years later, another group of Puritans established the more successful colony of Massachusetts Bay. John Winthrop led the first large wave of settlers to Massachusetts Bay in 1630. Massachusetts Bay, of course, will become the home of Salem and later Boston. The New England colonies thought of themselves as covenant communities, bringing about a community-wide adherence to follow God's word. These communities bordered on theocracies where the church and state governments were interwoven with one another. The Puritan colonies practiced democracy through town hall meetings. That is, of course, a form of direct democracy. The Pilgrims of Plymouth are the settlers we associate most with the first Thanksgiving. But after initially experiencing good relationships with the natives, the Puritan colonies experienced tensions with the Indians leading to the Pequot War in 1639 and 1640, and later in the 1670s, King Philip's War waged by the Indian Metacomet. Slavery did exist in the Puritan colonies, although on a far smaller scale than Jamestown. Some Indians captured in the Pequot War would go on to become slaves to the Puritans. Um, and perhaps in the greatest twist of irony with the Puritan colonies, despite the fact that the Puritans themselves came to the New World for religious freedom, they were violently intolerant of religious dissent. Perhaps most famously, this intolerance led to paranoia like the Salem witch trials, but it also led to the banishment of leading dissenters within the colony, like Roger Williams, who would go on to found Rhode Island, and Anne Hutchinson. The Puritan colonies would come to influence the religious, economic, cultural, and political values of the rest of the New England colonies for the rest of the 17th and much of the 18th century. Okay, so here's our lightning review for early African slavery in the British American colonies. The first African slaves were brought to the British American colonies in 1619, when around 20 slaves arrived at Old Point Comfort near Fort Monroe in Virginia. These slaves were on their way to Jamestown. These first slaves were taken from present-day Angola, and the 20 and odd slaves would come to Jamestown 
were traded by pirates who had seized them from a slave trading ship for food from the Virginians. Initially, the colonists struggled to adapt the institution of slavery to their legal, cultural, and religious ideas and values, but by the 1660s, with some adaptions, slavery would become racially codified in Virginia. Slavery would replace indentured service as the preferred method of cheap forced labor in the southern colonies and throughout the colonies eventually. Conversion to Christianity did not free slaves, and a slave child took on the condition of its mother. That slave child would then belong to the mother's owner. The Virginia House of Burgesses passed the Virginia Slave Codes in 1705, which embedded slavery into Virginia's law for the next 160 years. Those slave codes would also come to influence the slave codes throughout the colonies. The agricultural and mercantile economy of the British colonies, specifically the southern colonies, led to the increased demand for slavery in the British North American colonies throughout the 17th and early 18th centuries. The British colonies, though active in the Atlantic slave trade, were only on the fringes, importing only 6% of all slaves traded. Most slaves who endured the Middle Passage were sent to the mines of South America or to the sugar plantations in the Caribbean. Slavery would become an important part of the southern colonies, largely because of their reliance upon cash crop agriculture and their plantation agriculture. The hot, humid coastal climates of the southern coast grew the need for cheap labor. Also, this is one of the very important things to remember. The British North American slave population would be unique in world history for its ability to reproduce itself. The moderate climate of the southern United States, as well as crops which did not repay working enslaved people to the point of death, resulted in an enslaved population that could live to an old age. The plantations, the sugar plantations of the Caribbean, though were incredibly hard on African slaves, unlike the southern plantations in the United States. By the early 19th century, the American slave population would become the world's largest. So your key takeaways, two important things to remember, are that the British North American slave population is unique for its ability to reproduce itself, the only one in the world to do that, as well as the fact that the first slaves are brought to Jamestown in 1619. From then on, slavery is incredibly important to the southern colonies and to the southern United States up until the Civil War. All right, thanks. Okay, here's everything you need to know about early European encounters with Native Americans. So from the time of Columbus onward, the European colonists, who of course were settling the Americas, ran into the Native Americans who were already occupying the American continents. They'd already been there for centuries, maybe millennium. The Spanish, of course, are the first to run into the Native Americans, specifically the Taino Indians down in the Caribbean. The Spanish, throughout their time in the Americas, have generally 
horrible relations with the Native Americans, specifically using their encomienda system to enslave the Native Americans, forcing them into the gold mines. Warfare between European settlers and natives becomes a staple of American life on the frontier, so wherever the colonists are pushing their way to, or settlers, warfare between them and the Native Americans continues to happen from 1492 all the way up until the 1900s. Indians, of course, not only fell victim to warfare, they also lost their traditional lands and fell victim to deadly European diseases, specifically smallpox, which they had no natural immunity to. It's estimated that disease kills nearly 90% of the Native American population. And in some instances, the disease actually gets to the Native Americans before the Europeans do themselves. So remember, disease kills more Native Americans than anything else. The Spanish, of course, had horrible relations with the Indians. The French enjoyed more cooperative friendlier relations with the Native Native Americans. The English are kind of in the middle there. The lack of any large-scale immigration from France to New Canada is a reason, or to New France is a reason for those good relations with the Indians. And warfare in the colonies between Europeans and Native Americans takes the form of a number of wars that you should be somewhat familiar with, first being the Anglo-Palatine Wars in Virginia, near Jamestown, of course, the Pequot War and King Philip's War between the New England settlers, Puritans, and the Wampanoag in New England, the Tuscarora War in North Carolina, the Yamasee War in South Carolina, Pontiac's Rebellion, also known as Pontiac's War, around the Great Lakes, the Ohio River Valley and Lord Dunmore's War in the Appalachian regions of Kentucky and Virginia, what is now West Virginia. Oftentimes these wars were not simply wars between the Indians and European nations themselves, but European nations would have a habit of picking Indians to be on their side, and these would become proxy wars between European nations. This is what you're going to see in the French and Indian War, Indians fight on both sides of that war for the British and the French. So oftentimes these wars are just a way for the European nations to fight each other. Big takeaway, remember, disease kills more Native Americans than anything else in their interactions with Europeans. And from the time Columbus arrives in America until the 19th, 20th century... Indians continue to lose their land, livelihood, everything because of European settlement. Okay, so here's everything you need to know about Jamestown. Jamestown is, of course, founded in 1607 as the first permanent English colony in the New World, founded by the Virginia Company of London. The Virginia Company of London founds Jamestown solely as a business venture. There's investors who invest money into the Virginia Company of London. They expect to get very rich from that colony. John Smith played a leading role in the early development of the colony. And the Cavaliers, a group of English nobles 
who received large land grants from the King of England, King James during this time, would play a leading role in the early settlement of Jamestown, the early settlement of Virginia, and the rest of the southern colonies. The Jamestown colony hits a bit of a snag in the winter of 1610-1611 when John Smith gets blown up in a gunpowder explosion. The colony has to endure the starving times where settlers are forced to dig up animal carcasses to eat, eat shoe leather, horses. One guy even tries to kill his pregnant wife to eat her, and perhaps the unborn fetus in one of history's first combo mills. And some folks did resort to cannibalism. Lord de la War's militant leadership, his use of Irish tactics against the Palatin, Indians helps ensure the colony's survival, as does John Rolfe's successful tobacco harvest, which finally allows the colony to begin making money for those investors back in London. Fast forward to 1619, there's two important developments. One is the establishment of the New World's first elected assembly, the House of Burgesses, which still exists today as the Virginia General Assembly. And 1619 also sees the importation, the arrival of the first African slaves who arrived at Old Point Comfort near what is now Fort Monroe to work on plantations in the colony. The colony would largely be burnt to the ground in a dispute between middle-class landowners or people who wanted to own land indentured servants and some slaves who were led by, led by Nathaniel Bacon against the landed gentry class, the elite people of the colony, who were represented by Governor William Berkeley. Then, of course, is Bacon's Rebellion in 1676-1677. The capital of Virginia then moves to Williamsburg after Jamestown is burnt to the ground. So, in summary... The very important things you need to remember is Jamestown, founded in 1607, first permanent English colony in the New World, founded by the Virginia Company of London as a business venture, it was founded for economic reasons like most of the southern colonies, and the Cavaliers play a leading role in the development, the early settlement of the colony. Also remember, 1619 sees the establishment of the New World's first elected assembly, the House of Burgesses and the arrival of the first African slaves at Fort Monroe. Awesome. Thanks.